Things gay people like. Things gay people like. Things gay people like. Things gay people like. And also things that people who don't identify as gay like. And I'm not saying all gay people like all these things because we all have our own interests. Hello and welcome to Things Gay People Like. My name is Kevin and this is my pop culture podcast that's all about celebrating whatever you like, whoever you are. Thank you for checking out this episode. If you're just here for the Kylie stuff, I'll edit myself in here telling you where you should skip to. About 12 minutes. But in the meantime, uh, let's go back just to the last episode quickly. It was the Scream episode and we this was before the, the new film came out, which I've seen now. I thought was great. So the poll was, if one of the original characters has to die in the new film, who should it be? And the options were Sydney, Gail, Dewey and none of them. So the person people thought should die the least <laughs> doesn't really make sense but that was gail on seven percent then sydney on 12 percent so they were very much uh, protected by the way this poll had even more votes than our what was the best hairstyle paul from s club seven had poll i never thought that record would be broken but here we are and then second place was none of them 22 and a half percent and way out in front was Dewey on 58.5%. Uh, there'll be another poll for this episode, of course, so check that out on Twitter, at GayPeoplePod. Also, uh, we're on Instagram, at GayPeoplePod as well. This is actually the last episode for a while. I call it like season finale, but that sounds ridiculous to say. But yeah, so I'm going to be taking a bit of a break, but look, I'm getting ahead of myself. Stick around to the end. As always, my mom will be back uh, to tell us what she thinks about Kylie. And it's almost time to meet my guest for this episode. But before we do, I went to see the Scream film. As I mentioned, I really enjoyed it. But never mind what I think about it. My guest for the Scream episode's opinion is far more important. So Marcus was kind enough to send me a voice note with his thoughts on the film. Completely spoiler free, so don't worry about that. So I'll play that now and then we will get on with episode 23. Hi, how are you? This is your Scream correspondent, Marcus, with a verdict on the latest in the slasher franchise. What can I say? Oh my goodness, this film delivered. The new characters are really well done. Um, General Ortega is the MVP for me. A amazing actress, loved, loved, loved. And the way that they intertwine the legacy characters with the new cast, bringing everything together is, is so well done. It takes the story in a new place that allows it to move on whilst um, paying homage and all due respect to the cast that came before. There's so many Easter eggs and nods to the previous films. I absolutely loved it. I was squealing, literally, literally squealing, clapping, laughing, clicking my fingers like I was at a drag brunch, honey. It was everything. It's so full on. The gore is probably the goriest scream that we've ever had. Ghostface is on a mission and he's not playing. It's just delivered on everything that I wanted. Um, it's an excellent new edition. It's a love letter to the fans. It's a love letter to Wes. And it feels like a screen movie. And that is, the, that is the biggest thing, that it fits in with um, the universe that already exists in the screen world and it takes it to new places. And I'm excited to see where it goes next. Let's keep going. It's time for my guest. Who is it this week? Time for my guest. What is the name? Time for my guest. It's time to find out. Right now. Hi, Damien. Kevin, how are you? I'm good, I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. I'm delighted you're coming on for this because, specifically because it's the last episode, so it's a landmark episode, not to put any pressure on you. And obviously it's a big topic as well. 
when I look at the um, analytics for the podcast, you can see on Spotify what artists the audience is listening to. Uh, you get like the top five. And so it's been like, it's been Mariah, it's been Britney, it's been Madonna. And then it's always, always in the top five is Kylie. So this is a huge deal. And thank you for coming on. Not at all. Thanks for asking me, Kevin. It it became obvious to me uh, during our conversations in the past, just how much of a fan you are of her. And as a huge fan of Adiva myself, I felt a certain affinity with that. So um, I'm really looking forward to getting stuck into all the Kylie chat. But before we get there, how would you say we know each other? So I suppose, Kevin, you know, a friend of a friend, go out for a few drinks. And now that you created this podcast, I've got to know you even more. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. And then often that friend, mutual friend of ours is kind of left sitting at the table while we bang on about all kinds of uh, relics of pop from years gone by. Um, what else? We're going to get on to obviously your topic of the episode, but what else would you say you're interested in generally? So I suppose uh, I'm a bit of a workaholic, Kevin. So uh, outside of work, really, I, my b- biggest thing is music. Um, you know, I, I've been into music since uh, I was very young. That typical Irish thing of listening to Radio Luxembourg originally, listening to the top 40 on a Sunday afternoon, oh, taping yeah. it, re-listening to it. Sa- sad, but uh, they were much more innocent times. God, I sound ancient saying that. No, no, no. I'm the same. I, I used to do it on Atlantic 252. Do you remember that? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if that made it across to the UK, but that was a big deal here. And it was on long wave radio. So the quality was like terrible. But I remember being there ready with the record and play button, whatever whatever way you used to record off the radio. A great station, even though around, I think it was 1990, they stopped playing the diva in question today. So they obviously oh. took a, a dislike to her and stopped playing the tracks. Oh, there was a boycott happening. Yeah, so my days of Atlantic 252 um, quickly ended. Um, you also like a bit of Eurovision, is that fair to say? Exactly, yeah. Um, I've been to two or three Eurovision song contests. Um, I'm waiting for the glory days of Ireland to return. Have you listened to any of the the the, the new uh, wannabe entrants for Ireland that are coming out this week? I haven't because they, they only became available, I think, yesterday and today. And I was so absorbed in all things Kylie Minogue. I Fair couldn't get distracted. You didn't have the space. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't have the, the, the... the bandwidth, whatever you want to call yeah, it. Yeah, 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 totally. I think it's um, to be important that the likes of Ireland and the UK start taking it seriously again. The novelty element and things like that didn't work for us. So um, I think if if we send a quality song or a you know a quality singer who can deliver on the night i think it's important for us to do that we could send linda martin again okay would you be in support of that absolutely you, you can't absolutely. you can't beat linda terminal <laughs> terminal 3 is a classic not to mention why me yeah, Why Me Why Me was definitely my everyone everyone has a linda martin song for some people it's why me for some people it's uh get lucky for many people let's get lucky okay so let's get into some news tgpl news and welcome to tgpl news damien what is your top story at this hour kevin i've tried to avoid anything too political the big news is that denise van outen and eddie have split this week my (laughs) my my favorite celebrity goggle box couple so i i am i was devastated to hear they'd split but the the key (laughs) thing is that supposedly eddie is going to be replaced by kimberly walsh from girls aloud and kimberly and denise will be back on the couch shortly yeah i heard that and like is that a good trade-off in your opinion 
Well, I would have preferred if it was uh, Nadine, but, you know, um, <laughs> Kimberly's okay. Well, Kimberly and I have um, a bit of history as I went into in the Girls Aloud episode. So if you haven't heard that, you should uh, check that out. But um, yeah, so uh, yeah, Denise is great. I thought she she and her partner, former partner, were really good on the Celebrity Series as well. So that is a shame that obviously something's gone a bit awry there. My story was about the Pussycat Dolls and the drama. Have you heard about that? I have, yeah. They cancelled the upcoming tour, wasn't it? And Nicole yeah. has blamed COVID. And and then she, she didn't tell the rest of them that she was going ahead and cancelling it. That was basically the vibe. Yeah, the tour had been postponed. And um, there, was, there was just these stories of supposedly Nicole asking for a bigger cut of the overall of the overall profits versus what she had originally agreed to. So she was re- trying to renegotiate the contracts, but asking for like way more than she had originally. I think she was asking for 75%, whereas originally it was maybe 49, 51. Um, and obviously like it's a group of five people in it. There's lots of people behind the scenes. And so for her to be asking for 75%, if that's true, is a bit much. And then it just came out, people just started getting cancellations. People who had booked uh, shows just started getting cancellation emails. And then she released this statement going, oh, obviously, oh, it's been cancelled. I'm sorry it didn't work out and then like some of the other girls supposedly like two of the girls are on her side two of the girls are on uh, Robin Anton's side who's the manager it's just a big old mess and um, would you have been tempted to have gone to the concert or no no I, I don't think I ever was a huge Pussycat Dolls fan mm-hmm. um, I, I would have much preferred maybe the British girl groups if, if I was to go down that like oh, I, I'd, yeah. I'd, I'd listen to something like uh, to someone like Little Mix much quicker I would have loved Girls mm. Aloud back in their day and um, obviously yeah. going back even further then you would have had um, the Spice Girls and things like that but uh, I was yeah. never huge big into uh, American artists I always kind of seem ah. to go with the, the European the European equivalent I like to call it well no big no big loss to you um, in that case I think it's a shame because I think there probably were a lot of people who were excited about it looking forward to it but have they had a hit in years though well, well, <laughs> not necessarily, but they did release just just on the brink of COVID back in 2020. They released maybe in 2019. They released a song called React. Did you hear that? This was their uh, comeback song. OK, I didn't react to it. Honestly. You, you didn't react to it. You must listen to it because it is genuinely one of their best. So it's always I just think it's interesting when a, a legacy act, if you like, and we'll be talking about one shortly. Sorry, 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 sorry. Only joking. Um, but like when a, an act who have had a lot of hits in the past come back with something that's as good or better than their old stuff. For example, someone like Steps, I would say. And then I would say definitely this song is great. OK, let's move on to Who Have You Met That's Famous? Who? Who, 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 who have you met that's famous? So the most famous person that I've probably met is Linda Martin, winner of the oh. 1992 Eurovision for Ireland. Yes, yes. So uh, I met Linda at the Eurovision in Malmo the last time it was held there. It was the okay. year that Ireland sent uh, Ryan Dolan. And uh, so met Linda in the local Irish bar, as one does. And yeah. uh, she was she was a great laugh. Went up to her, and she gave me her business card. So obviously she thought I was going to uh, be working with her again. But uh, it was great, great meeting the living legend that is Linda. And uh, that was the Eurovision that um, the presenter referred to her as a drag queen. Did they actually? Yeah. So and it was all very, uh, you know, tongue in cheek. And Linda did very well out of it because I got extra coverage for her. Um, how was it as a general interaction? Like, was she was it pleasant? Was it enjoyable? Yeah, it was, it was great. She definitely had a few drinks, which helped. Oh, yeah, and, okay. and I'd had one or two then to build up the Dutch courage to go over to her. But I know <laughs> she, she, she was a lovely woman. Okay, Damien, it is now time to 
get stuck into what we're here to talk about. All 14 plus albums, however many there are, and five decades. Not like five full decades, but she's been active in five decades. Let's get into the deep dive. You know it's time to deep dive, deep dive. Everybody want a deep dive, deep, deep dive. Now, we're talking about an icon, a legend, a diva, a pop diva for sure. And one of like the legendary pop stars of our time. Am I? Is this a big enough build up? Of our time, of any time, certainly of the gays, uh, Danny Minogue. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> we're talking, we'll come on to Danny a little bit later. But so Kylie, she's your number one favorite forever and ever, right? Exactly, uh, Kevin. And the fact that you even just refer to her as Kylie, you don't even need the surname. You know, that is the key go. thing. And as you said, five decades later, here we are discussing her. Who would have thought it? Definitely not Kylie, I'd say. When you think about her and just in general, I know it's hard to put it into to, to, to words about what you like about. Sometimes you just like this person, this act, this music. But like, what do you like about her? Personally, for me, I think that the thing about Kylie versus other artists is she doesn't take herself too seriously. You know, she knows she's not the best singer in the world. She knows she's not the best dancer in the world, but she gives everything a chance and a try. Um, Mm. You know, like us all, she's made mistakes. She's had flops, but she's come back and she's not afraid to do that. She's not afraid to go out of her comfort zone. And to me, like, she's just quite relatable. Because like, you know, Mm. any of us as we're going through life and we go through work and things like that, we have our good days, we have our bad days, we make mistakes, but you just keep Mm. on going and you always try and improve. And I think that that sums Kylie up. She's always Mm. trying to be better than the thing she's previously done. And I I think, you know, she, she phrased it quite well when, you know, in a lot of interviews, when she's asked the question, she goes, I rarely look back. I just keep looking towards the next project, the next thing. Oh, okay. She's relatable. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the relatability is a huge thing. Uh, now that you mention it, I hadn't really thought about it in that context. But we, ca- I called her like a diva in the in the intro, like a pop diva. But when you think of divas, you do think of things like self-importance and a bit of an ego and that that can be fine and that can be part of their persona but I don't think about Kylie in those terms at all and I think that's a big part of why people really like her exactly and and she she laughs at herself you know there, there's clips up on YouTube about her falling over on stage and things like that and you know her answer one time when she fell over on stage well at least you know I'm singing live because obviously the track cut out so so, yeah. so it, it, it's things like that that you know it's key that she's not afraid to laugh at herself I suppose originally she would have been you know had this nickname in Australia, you know, the singing budgie. And like that kind of stuck with with her. There was a lot of negative press and things like that. But, you know, so she was always out to prove that she was a hard worker, that she was a decent Mm. singer. And I think it's a decent singer. Like she isn't going to be like an Adele, Celine, Mariah hitting those high notes. But, you you know, there's only so many of them you can have. True, 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 true. I think she probably understands what her lane is. Maybe it's taken her a while and there was a bit of resistance to that, you know, along the way. And we'll get into that. But I think, especially now, I think she understands what her appeal is. And I think that has that has led to like a really, like a, a hugely long career, like full of success with a few little dips. But like she's hugely successful. So, yeah, that counts for a lot. My friend Pierce said she's the ultimate pop icon. Um, he says none of her musical directions have been a dud. She's universally loved and obviously loves being a pop star. That definitely comes across. And then he says, I think the main thing that comes to mind when I think of Kylie is joy. I can definitely, I can definitely see that. Would you agree with that? Would indeed. And I think, you know, the songs being so pop um, help with that. You know, it's all about 
dancing, throwing your hands in the air. Yeah, being carefree. So were you on board from the beginning? Like, are we talking about 1987 or whenever it was that she first arrived? Were you like, this is my favorite singer and I'm in? Or did you come along a bit later? So a lot of people would have known Kylie maybe around 1987 from Neighbours. Yeah. But um, being from the country in Ireland, a lot of us didn't have BBC. Neighbours wasn't televised on Irish TV. So I never had the influence the Neighbours when I liked Kylie. So the first time I saw her was on Top of the Pops. Um, and it was where, because obviously she was based in Australia at the time. So the Top of the Pops production team sent over a crew to Melbourne and they filmed this clip for Top of the Pops where Kylie was going around in the back of a BMW singing I Should Be So Lucky on the back of the BMW. Right, okay. So um, I think she had just hit number one with I Should Be So Lucky and I saw that video and I was hooked. That's interesting that like, because, you know, as for a lot of people, it was piggybacking off her fame as Charlene in Neighbours. Um, but you didn't have any of that. You just saw the pop star and thought this is for me so have you ever gone back and looked at her neighbor stuff or are you just not that interested in, in all that i suppose you see clips when she's interviewed on programs about this clip or that clip and you see various things on tv but i haven't intentionally gone back to yeah. look at any neighbors yeah. it's i'm a bit like kylie like that i, I look forward not look there back you go, there you go well we have to look <laughs> see, back yeah. in this podcast <laughs> but yeah no i i, I, I get that She's obviously had a really long career, as we talked about, and uh, still going strong. But um, Carl asks, what do you think is the reason for her longevity? She's had some, quote unquote, difficult albums and she's changed direction a lot, but she always bounces back. She's outlasted so many of her contemporaries. What do you think the reason is for that? I do think it comes down to reinvention. Mm. Um, you know, that she is, she does change. She tweaks the lane she's in. She tweaks the sound she's doing on each album. Some of them not without their mistakes. It's changing what you do to make it current while not moving away from the essence of your own sound. Because mm. I think, you know, when every, anybody hears Kylie sing, it's her voice. If they hear a record, it's a Kylie voice, not without its critics, but the sound is distinctively Kylie. Okay, so people won't know, but I just ran up the stairs. Uh, we took a little break and I just ran up the stairs. So I'm a bit out of breath. Anyway, so Damien, we are going to go through the career to date. There's a lot to get through. So we won't spend too long on each album, but I do have comments. I do have questions. I listened to all the albums over the last week or so, and I, I knew a couple of them already. Um, I think I'd only ever bought one album of hers, but I'll let you know what that is when we come to that time. I'll try and predict the album you bought later on. Yeah, I mean, well, try and predict it now. What do you think? Okay, so if, if I had two choices, I'd say you bought Fever or Body Language. That, I'm quite impressed because it is one of those. It uh, is a Body Language. So there you go. Of all the albums, that's the one I bought. How did you know that? Probably known what your musical taste was. Yeah. And around the time that she'd come off the back of a big album, I think people who uh, were into that type of sound and, and, you know, haven't spoken to you before, I thought maybe that sound would have Fair enough. been... Fair enough, fair enough, very astute. Um, before we get into it, do you think generally, looking back over her career, again, we like to look forward, but we're just going to look back for the next little while. Do you think as a fan, generally, the right decisions were made regarding what songs became singles? Or are there a lot of songs that you're like, I wish that was a single? I don't get too caught up about it. Okay. Some fans, some fans, you know, yeah. rant and rave on blogs and everything about yeah, yeah. incorrect single releases. Mm. And 
like my view is if you're going to release four singles from a, a, an album on average, like, you know, if you get three of the four to keep everybody happy, that's good enough for me. Right. If there's only one dud single release from each album, I think then you've done well. Pretty good going. Is there any one yeah. song that you could be like this? I just wish they should have gone with this for the single. Or are you just happy enough with kind of how it all went? You're going to say to me, well, this wasn't even an album track. So why am I referencing it? No, but there was it was around the time of fever. So there was a, a lot of quality songs around that time. Uh-huh. And the B side of in your eyes was a song called tightrope. Oh, okay. And it is a brilliant, brilliant song in its own right. It's unfortunate. It was a B side. Um, she sang it years later on the anti tour. And mm. um, so it sounded great. It was released as a, the live version was released. And uh, if anybody hasn't heard it, I, I'd recommend they go back and just listen to tightrope. I have heard from my, from the submissions we've got for the later section in the podcast, B sides were brought up a few times. Uh, Cliff, who's been on the podcast before, said, as queen of B sides, can you discuss her best B sides and the anti tour? I, I suppose the two that would jump out at me would be. Um, paper dolls or go hard or go home to me they were standout b-sides that you know were were very good we'll come on to that again on the anti-tour a little bit later because i am curious about that but if we go back right to the beginning kylie was kind of synonymous with stock ache and waterman right and their sound was her sound and that was just the partnership that was there from kind of from the beginning is that correct like not the very beginning but pretty early on yeah, her first album, Kylie, the album, it's referenced a lot, you know, in the media at the time as being bubblegum pop. And looking back on it, that that's what it was. But, um, you know, this for people, the album was where she had the hair going through the half hat and things like that. Iconic. It's quite iconic in its, its own right. <laughs> yeah. There's no getting away from the fact it sounded like Stock Egg and a Waterman. It sounded like every other Stock Egg and a Waterman song at the time, be that for Sonia, be it for Sunita, all those other artists. Mm. Um do you like suppose, that sound? At the time, looking back, obviously, it might sound somewhat dated and somewhat tinny. But at the time, to me, it was current. It sounded great. So it, it worked for its time in, in pop. It you works know? for me. It works for me to this day. I have to say, listen to these albums. I can love the stock Aiken Waterman sound. And I just can't get enough of it. And I know Kylie has, there's a few albums, but I'd say there's a wedge of like six or seven singles of hers from that period that I just love to this day. So I just I just I just love that sound. But I didn't notice somewhere along the way one of them dropped out, one of the three Stock Aiken Waterman people. Like all of a sudden he wasn't on the credits anymore. Do you know anything about that? If I'm right, I think it was Matt Aiken. So I think it was Stock and Waterman. It became right. the, the two writers. One of the guys left. Um and I suppose at that stage I think they'd had a hundred top forty hits. So they were just churning out music so quickly okay. between nineteen eighty six to nineteen eighty nine. Um so I think it, it just your man got exhausted and the other two guys remained behind. Right, okay. But I suppose so Kylie recorded four albums w- with them. Yeah. The first album being, you know, the the, the four huge singles in their own right yeah. from Kylie the album, the singles being I sh- I should be so lucky. Got to be certain the locomotion, <laughs> je ne sais pas quoi. Yeah, you know, four, four iconic songs now. Wasn't um, it's no secret a single as well? It was released in Japan and in the states. Oh, it okay. wasn't a, a, a single in Ireland and the UK. Okay, I had never heard that one before, and it was one of the ones that I picked out as one of the ones I liked from that album. And then the other one that people bang on about, I tell you this, gays on the internet can't get enough of talking about "Turn It Into Love." Love the song. Okay, um, at the <laughs> at the time of the, so it was on the album, and then stuck it in a. Waterman had Hazel Dean 
um, on their stable of artists. Oh, yeah. So they gave Tur- they gave Turn It Into Love to Hazel Dean, who released it. And it's a much more, when, when I say much more, it's slightly more rockier. Oh, okay. Um, so off the top of my head, I think Hazel Dean took it to number 21 in the UK charts. Right. Um, but... Kylie released Turn It Into Love in Japan and mm. it was number one for eight weeks. Okay. It is a great song. The, the only thing, when I look back on it, she pronounces a word in the song that annoys me the whole time. Oh, go on, tell it's, us. Turn It Into Love and open up your heart. Yeah. But when you listen to it, she goes, and open up your heart. <laughs> so it always annoys me. I'm thinking, why was that never corrected? And now somebody's probably going to say, to this day, it has annoyed me. And okay. when, she's, when I've seen her sing it live, she pronounces it correctly. All right. Okay. That's funny. Um, one of the things that really struck me listening to these albums was her tone in this period. There's just something so magical about it. It's so sweet. It's so like bright. And it's something that I think this specific thing that I'm talking about, I would say the, the, the one particular syllable that it really stood out is... Um, in Je ne sais pas pourquoi, I still love you. Okay, so that word, if people listen to that word, that's the tone that I'm talking about. And it was through all this this period and it kind of drifted away. I don't know what, whether that was a thing from the Stock Aiken Waterman production, but when I look, when I listen to Kylie now, I, I feel about her a certain way. When I listen to Kylie back then, it's a different thing. There's something just really unquantifiable about the way she sang or the way she was produced, I guess. Um, it's just, I suppose it's all wrapped up in nostalgia as well. It's hard to look at this stuff now and separate it from the nostalgic feelings around that time. So like, yeah, it's, it's hard to be like objective. The, those, um, the four songs released from the first album, they, they all went to either number one or number two in the UK charts. Okay. So they were all really big sellers. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the album, you know, sold two million copies in the UK. So right. her, her second, uh, her, her most successful album in the UK, not worldwide, but it sold oh. a lot of copies. Then she did it, especially for you in between albums, right? With Jason. Exactly. Yeah, there was a, just a lot of pressure. I think on Stock Aiken and Warham at the time, they had Jason had just had his first hit with "Nothing Can Divide Us," and then there was the speculation of whether they were a couple. So Stock Aiken and Waterman rushed this song together, and only about I think it was maybe two thousand and seventeen, is hit the million copy mark in the UK. Ah. So it took all, all that time later, and years have passed. But um, it's one of her two million sellers in the UK. Ah, interesting. I love that song as well. Like as cheesy as it is, and as naff as it is, I love it. So second album, Enjoy Yourself. The, the next year, another clutch of hit singles, the kind of stuff that I was lapping up at the time. I listened to this, and I found it a bit gloopy. It's quite ballady and kind of slow. So I probably like this more because it was showing progression. Oh, okay. Like it wasn't your bubblegum pop. Um, there was the slow stuff like Heaven and Earth and songs like that. Four more releases from this album. Love them um, all. I absolutely hate Tears of My Pillow. Oh, sorry. I don't like um, that. Yeah, no. Fair, fair, fair. Don't yeah. like that. I'm not a huge fan of Kylie doing cover versions. I think there's no need for it. I I know it fitted in at the time for The Delinquents. Oh, their film. Yeah. So just quite an iconic pose where she turned up at the premiere with Michael Hutchins. So they'd started dating and she had her uh, silver hair and her silver dress and all of that stuff. Oh, so rebellious Um, Kylie was already kind of coming along at this stage exactly yeah, okay yeah just just at the beginning of 1990 right. but the album itself i love um i think hand on your heart has lasted love it the course of time Absolutely quite well it. never too late fabulous exactly and <laughs> years later on the abbey road studio where she went back and turned some of the faster songs into ballads she does a brilliant version of never too late oh, as a ballad okay i'll listen to that yeah i i, I don't mind album too I, I think it is definitely it shows 
limited, but it shows some some, some progression. Yeah. So okay. So are, are we to deduce that there was some tension happening between her and Stock Aiken Waterman here? Was there a bit of a tussle for creative control? I think Michael was probably saying to her, "You need to take control." He was spurring her oh, on. Michael to, Hutchins, yeah. You know, exactly to bring her own ideas to the table and i think that was when she was trying to bring her own ideas they were probably being resistant to her having said all of that she probably went into a studio in 1989 recorded enjoy yourself in the space of two weeks and put it out you know that was the sort of speed they were operating at I, i think the potential friction and the influence of michael even though they started dating in late 1989, you, you wouldn't see it until probably 1990 for, for that third album to really see his influence and her obviously going into battle with Stock Aiken and Waterman. Yeah, okay. So then that album comes along, Rhythm of Love. I believe this is one that is looked upon fondly by the fan base. Is it one of your favourites? Absolutely. Like, you okay. know, it, it produced the golden quartet of ah. songs, Better the Devil, you know, Step Back in Time. What do I have to do? And shocked okay. four of her most classic songs that she is still playing to this day. Better the Devil You Know really should have made number one. Oh, uh, didn't. it was kept off. Yeah, Damsky and Seals Killer kept it off number oh, one. Okay. And the album itself, like, you know, it went into the UK charts at number nine. So she'd had two massive number one albums. Mm. Suddenly, third album goes in at number nine and drops out of the top 10 the next week. It sold 300,000 copies versus the second album, a million. The first album, two million. So there's a huge difference already coming in, even though it's at that time it was her best work. It's very much like, okay, it's still very pop. It's more sophisticated. It's a great sound for her. But those four singles you mentioned, were they still all Stock Aiken Waterman uh, productions? Exactly, yeah. yeah. Yeah, the, so how she got around it was, so the, the four songs themselves were, were written and produced by them, but they obviously let her bring in, for example, Shocked. So Shocked on the album is very different to the Shocked that was released. Okay. She gave it to DNA to remix at the time. They had done Tom's Diner with Suzanne Vega and stuff. Right. So they remixed Shocked for her. I think that's how they kept Kylie happy. She took complete control over the videos. Mm. Better the devil, you know, she handed them the video. Um, And Mm. I think you can clearly see the Michael influence in those videos. And um, even though their relationship was probably coming to an end by then, he was putting her in touch with, with, you know, more creative people, producers, people in the film industry and things like that. You can definitely see that influence. Okay, so then... Let's get to it was next. What are your thoughts on this one? I think this was, um, you know, the end was in sight with the partnership with herself and Stock Aiken and Waterman. It's it's a messy enough album. Okay. Um, the opening track and the first release was Word Is Out. And Kylie really pushes uh, the way she dresses and stuff in this video. She moves it quite in a particular direction that I think potentially alienated some of the fans mm. uh, because it was very quite a grown up look. And and I I think the sound and stuff was kind of going towards an R and B vibe. A bit of um, that, yeah. I I and I think the poor performance of the first single then they somewhat panicked. Um, and by single number three, she did another cover version of "Give Me Just a Little More Time." Now it was a big hit, but again, I'm not a huge fan of when Kylie does cover versions. Yeah, it's a bit lame. Yeah, I, I think it, the album it didn't make the top ten. Uh, it was the low seller. 
yeah, there's not a lot more to say on that album. Yeah. What did you think of it when you listened to it? I, I found the R&B elements interesting because, you know, at the time or maybe shortly after that, I was really interested in R&B. Um, I liked the likes of the duet with Keith Washington. Like, I did like that. It didn't feel like very right for her, but I liked that sound and I yeah. quite enjoyed it. I quite liked a song called Live and Learn, which was on the brighter side and on the popular side. But... um. Are we talking then a gradual decline from the from the debut then? Like we haven't had an upturn yet, have we? It's just kind of, as much as they've been successful, it's kind of on a downward slope. From a sales perspective. So I suppose, you know, it's whatever way you look at it. Do you measure it through sales or do you measure it through credibility and improvement? Yeah, it was going w- w- one way with credibility and improvement yeah, yeah. potentially and the opposite way in sales. Yeah. There, there is one track, I think, that has stood the test of time from Let's Get To It and it's Finer Feelings. Oh, yeah. So she worked with, uh, or he remixed it, Steve Anderson. Um, so he was uh, brothers in rhythm. They had a hit with such a good feeling. So she would have worked with him around this time. Oh. And to this day, he he is now uh, her, her main producer. Oh, well, okay. I didn't know that. Then there was a greatest hits, wasn't there? Because in my first sweep, I was going chronologically and I didn't, I didn't get to What Kind of Fool, which is another song that I love, but it's very much that old sound, isn't it? Exactly. I, I think that they, they saw Cake in a Water and probably just wanted to make the last bit of money from, from Kylie before she left. So is this the contract is up kind of thing? Exactly. And I think it was, it was a, a bonus for, for them that she would release a greatest hits. Okay. What kind of fool in brackets heard all that before yeah. uh, was definitely, definitely <laughs> a, a step backwards for her. Okay. To me, it sounded like a leftover track maybe from album number two. You know, it's spent three weeks in the top 40. So I think it summed it oh, up okay. that the public at that stage were moving towards the shame and, and sounds like that and the KLF. And here's Kylie still pumping out that sound from 1988. Yeah, yeah. I saw today she w- was asked about, you know, at, at a certain point in her career, I don't know when she said this, but she said, there's plenty I've cringed about. There's one track I really didn't like called What Kind of Fool? But I realised you can run, but you can't hide. So I embraced I should be so lucky and the rest of them. So I guess that was her coming full circle. But at this specific point in her career and from here on for a while, she's like, that's not me anymore. I, I don't want to be associated with that anymore. Like it was quite a, 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 a rejection of everything that she was known for up to that point. Yeah, I suppose it's like anything we do as as human beings, you know, that you just grow and you get older and she wanted to drop the girl next door image, drop the sound and become more um, mature. Yeah. And, it, and you know, as a creative person, as an artist, it's well within her rights to do that. I just remember feeling at the time it was a bit of a sense of betrayal, a bit of a like all this stuff that I liked and that I really enjoyed. She was now discarding. And I felt a little bit put out by that. But look, she had to go through her own creative um, process. And so that's what she did with the album Kylie Minogue in 94. She went away, obviously, took 1993 off. Would have been a lot of rumours um, at the time about who she was working with on the 1994 album. And Confide in Me is where she really worked with Steve Anderson that I already mentioned. Yeah. I think the song is epic yeah. you know from start to finish it's a it's a great sound for her it always reminds me of you know maybe um a turkish eurovision ballad something like okay. that with, with the particular instruments that that, that are yeah. used and things like that I, I think one of the things i always find funny is the song actually has an ending point but all the stock and ottoman songs they just fade it out yeah and then you get to confide in me it just ends end properly me. Our, yeah yeah 
That was a good vocal by me. But I love, I absolutely love that song. I think at, at the time, as much as I say a minute ago, I was like, why isn't she doing the poppy stuff? I was absolutely transfixed. And the video and everything about it is just kind of hypnotic. It's uh, And it still stands, you know, stands up in a, in a way that you could say the late 80s, early 90s doesn't really stand up that well. Confide in Me doesn't really sound dated at all. We have to also talk about Put Yourself in My Place. Was that the second single? Yeah, I absolutely love this song. Yeah. Um, the video was based around Barbarella. Uh, she's in the pink suit and takes off all the various elements of her uh, space suit. Mm. And she's in space. Great, great video. Two amazing videos in a row there. The third single was Where Is The Feeling? Completely different version to what you see on the album or hear on the album. It didn't do very well. But it's quite an iconic video for she's in the sea. It's black and white. Reminds me a lot of Madonna's Cherish video. Okay. And uh, one other thing on this album, I don't know how you got to the end of it, but Time Will Pass You By, the, the very final track yes. produced by M People. Again, a cover version, a very old song, but it's so influenced by M People. It's it's nearly a lift and drop from yeah. Elegant Slummy. That's really funny. So I was making notes on the songs as I went along. And my note on this was M people like I didn't know that they were involved in it at all. But obviously, yeah, it uh, screams M people. Um, but I really liked it. Actually, it was one of my favorites from this one. So now we're getting on to the song that every boring straight person likes by Kylie Minogue. <laughs> what is that for the Wild Roses yeah. Grow? It's like, oh, that's such okay. a great song. But do you do you love it? I do. I really like it, yeah. So so this was between the two albums, so it didn't appear on either album. Yeah. Um, so recorded, obviously, with Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds. I think it definitely gave her an extra layer of credibility. The Nick Cave fans were shocked that he was recording it with her. This was around the time where she did embrace the old school of I Should Be So Lucky. He convinced her at the Poetry Olympics to perform and she came out and uh, read the poem or read I Should Be So Lucky as a poem. Oh, yeah, I remember um, And he performed it everywhere with her. Like, you know, they were on mm. every TV show together performing it ironically it didn't even make the top 10 you know people have this idea that uh, this was a huge song but Mm. um it went it went in at number 11 in the uk charts fell to 21 the following week and then out of the charts but as the years have gone on now it's um towards her higher end of streaming songs oh interesting and then we get on to the album where she's fully I don't like that stuff I used to do. I'm an indie girl now, which really, I really resented this at the time. I wasn't happy with it at all. I kind of look back on it a bit more fondly now, especially when I was listening to it the other day. But um, Impossible Princess. Yeah, like it was uh, a lot of problems around this album release. Mm. The, 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 the lead single, Some Kind of Bliss, was released the week that Diana died. Right, so okay. everyone was buying Elton John. Then they pushed back the album. They renamed us. They took away the Impossible Princess and renamed it Kylie Minogue. Yeah. Um, I, I think on various reissues in years later, they went back to Impossible Princess. Was their album not just um, called Kylie Minogue before that? It was, yeah. So I did literally two albums in a row called Kylie Minogue. There is a song on The Impossible Princess that I absolutely love. I think it's probably one of my all-time favourite tracks, and that's Breathe. Oh, yeah, okay. I think it is absolutely brilliant song um as sounds go and i listen to it to this day quite a lot it's my go-to track on this album yeah everything went against the album it underperformed the singles underperformed you know was panned by the tabloids in the uk 
everything was just messy with it. Yeah. And, uh, she, you know, Kylie looks back at it now and she wrote every track or at least co-wrote all the tracks. Um, it was her most inner thoughts. And I think she has openly said she is never going to go into this space again. Oh. She will never be this deep or be this open about stuff. And I think one of the other problems was they actually they had the album ready to go. They weren't sure of a lead single. So then they quickly brought in the Manic Street Preachers who wrote Some Kind of Bliss okay. and um, I Don't Need Anyone, the other track on it. So oh, they probably rushed those two. But yeah. then I don't think that probably is the sound of the album. And I, I have to mention Did It Again. I did like that. I liked the fact that she was poking fun at herself, as you said earlier, with the different versions of her in the video. I, I enjoyed that. Then here's the thing. So I think of Kylie as three eras, one era... I'm a pop star. Hey, everyone. Second era, actually, I'm not. I want to be something else. Third era, yes, I am a pop star again. And that has, to me, continued to this day. So that was the, the reinvention again. The re-reinvention happened in 2000 with Light Years and the, the big pop return. If she was ever going to be famous again or ever have another hit single, she knew where she had to go with it. Right. And it was back to pop. It was definitely more mature pop. It was more modern sounding and things like that sometimes I think Lightyear is a bit of a mishmash it's got a bit of everything so she was probably trying to keep 10 different variations of Kylie fans happy with this album the one track I absolutely hate on this album is the kids duet with Robbie Williams <laughs> okay what, what um, do you hate about that I, I just it, it's a Robbie song not a Kylie song okay she insists on playing it at, at every live tour because she feels the fans love it and the right. non-Kylie fans in the audience recognise it and, and they love it. But um, I absolutely don't like it. A lot of Kylie purists don't like it either. Oh, okay. It gets slated on a lot of forums. Right, okay. Um, it was big though, right? She had a few a few big hits on this. So we had Spinning Around on a night like this. Please Stay, which I love actually. I know it wasn't maybe a huge hit, but I love that one. And, um, yeah. and Kids. That's that's good. Exactly, kids third, and then please stay as the oh, final single. Yeah, no, I love please stay as well. Probably it came down to, and this, you know, it's well publicised that the record company went with please stay because it was more radio friendly, whereas a lot of people wanted your disco needs you to be released. Oh, was it between those two for the single? Yeah. Well, look, I do like please stay, but if it's up against your disco needs you, I have to go with your disco needs you on that because it's a phenomenal song, I think. Wasn't Robbie Williams involved in that? He co-wrote it with Guy Chambers, right, exactly, okay. yeah. Then we're on to Fever, which I assume is her best-selling selling album, is it? Like in the UK at least? Worldwide, Fever will be the best-selling okay. album. It, it, I think it's, in the UK, I think it's the very first album. F Fever, I think, has sold around 1.8 million. The first album, maybe 2.1. But because the American market went with Fever as well, um, overall, it's the, the best-selling album of her career. Right. And this strikes me as just one of those albums in somebody's career where everything just kind of aligns and like from the, the cover art to like the first single, everything is just working and it it, it explodes for her. Like it's, um, how do you yeah. feel about it? it? It's mad looking back on it because on a night like this was the tour and she performed a, a very airy version of Can't Get You Out Of My Head on that tour. Hmm. And like it sounded like a very average laid back song. Oh. And then months later when it was revamped, released, and it's such a brilliant song, her signature tune and all of that. But when you heard it originally live, I didn't think anything of it. Oh, now, I, I'm not the I'm not the biggest fan of the, the the song. I suppose it's just so overplayed, but like it has brought her a lot of 
uh, kudos, a lot of fans, a lot of everything that she could ever want from a hit single. Oh, totally. I mean, I never need to hear it again as long as I live. So I'm with you on that. But yeah, absolutely huge. We had Love at First Sight come into my world. Um, to be honest, I when I listened to this, it was probably my least favourite of the albums that I listened to the other day, which I think is probably unusual because I think people generally like this album quite a lot. But I, I do like it for all it's done for her, especially in the States where she had never really established herself as an album artist. Yeah. So like, you know, it went top three there. Come Into My World well, it was her only Grammy uh, winning song to date. So it's great that she has a Grammy. So just, just for everything it's brought to her, uh, I, I do appreciate the album. Then we come on to the album that I bought. <laughs> and this must have been, if we're looking at a graph of like her sales and success uh, coming from Fever, it must be quite the drop off to body language. Yeah, like some some fans love it. Uh, to be honest, w- with two exceptions, I never listened to the album. Um, what are the I, two exceptions? I, and there were the two, the first two singles, okay. "Slow" and "Red Blooded Woman." And I think they are the two best tracks on it, and um, they are the only two I will listen to on it. But um, Damien, but to me, the whole thing was a disappointment. Wow, um, yeah, and it it really impacted her in the states. Kind of stopped the momentum. Exactly. Only made number six in the UK album charts, as you said, on the back of Fever. Huge disappointment. Yeah, I just personally, it's an album. It's my least favourite Kylie album. Ah, interesting. But if we talk about at least the songs that you do like, so Slow is stunning like and and what a like a risky thing to do it's such an unusual sounding song i do think that stands up really well um red-blooded woman i was just mystified by crazy irish day but apparently she's saying crazier each day is that right <laughs> yeah absolutely um but i want to say that i think chocolate is great as well particularly the single version you obviously don't agree but that's how i feel I, I do feel obliged when somebody says they love it online and stuff to go straight back in and say how much I hate it. But um, that's, <laughs> it. that's just me being pedantic with this album. Then we had another greatest hits moment. So I think definitely the record company panicked on the back of Body oh, Language. Okay. And, you know, they said, OK, we better swiftly get together a greatest hits. Right. Um, I, I like the, I do like I Believe in You. Yeah, uh, that yeah. That was so it's really the greatest hits. Twinkling and twinkling and mystical. Yeah, I love it. And then the 10th album, we're getting through them, 10th album X. So after the greatest hits, obviously, or or during the greatest hits tour, she was diagnosed with cancer. And um, so, you know, the the rest of the concert tour was stopped. 12 months later, she finished the greatest hits tour. And then in 2007, she released X. So there was a lot Mm. of pressure always going to be on this album. I love this album. And again, a lot of fans don't like the lead single, but I think Two Hearts was a great lead single. Again, it was was trying to push the envelope. The thing I like about this album, I don't know if you ever come across this writer, but Karen Poole. Yes, from Alicia's Attic. I, I loved Alicia's Attic. And especially on this album, Karen was involved in writing some of the songs with Kylie. They co-wrote Wow together. And I think Wow was a great pop song, you know. This album, it gets criticism because they obviously went out to an awful lot of writers to write songs for the Kylie Return album. Okay, And I think, you know, it's it's been written about that 
people like the Pet Shop Boys were very frustrated that they submitted a song to her and it never saw the light of day. Mm. And, you know, writers felt frustrated by this. And I think it's around this era to the guys who mentioned it earlier on about the, the quality of the B-sides because there was just so many songs available. Okay. Quick call outs here, like looking back on it, it's mad that in my arms, like, you know, that was the one of the earliest Calvin Harris produced tracks I saw his name propping up on the yeah. old uh, credits, yeah. Yeah, so like if, if that had been released five years later, it probably would have been a worldwide smash. Like for songs like Wow in My Arms, and obviously The One is a great song. It's a lot of mm. people's favourite Kylie song. What, what did you think of this album? I thought it was a bit of a mishmash, hodgepodge. The one that stood out to me was Speakerphone, and I wrote, it's very like Robin-esque, and then I looked at the credits, and it turns out that one of, you know, Robin, long-time producers, uh, had been involved in it, but I really liked that. I do like the album, because there's something for everybody in it. After the blip of body language, it was a bit of a return to the reliable big pop Kylie. And then we have a three-year gap. What was she doing in between X and the next one? X had four releases. She went on tour with the X album. And, oh, yeah. um, you know, I think there was 70 or 80 shows. So throughout 2008 into early 2009, you know, she was completing that tour. Um, and then Aphrodite came in 2010. Mm. It, it's funny to compare these two albums because to your point about X being a hodgepodge of ideas and sounds, mm. she took all that criticism on board. And then Aphrodite is probably her most cohesive album, you know, with Stuart Price being the producer and things like that. But do you lose by, by being so cohesive and having the a sound throughout the album and it flows very well? Do you lose some of the, the mishmash of, of X? I, I think potentially you do. You're missing the, the what the peaks and troughs or the variety. Is it that kind of thing? Yeah. I have to say, I so I put little asterisks in front of every song that I liked as I was going through uh, this uh immense back catalogue and Aphrodite is the one that I have the most asterisks uh, beside tracks like all the lovers get out of my way put your hands up closer everything's beautiful Aphrodite too much looking for an angel can't beat the feeling they were the ones that I picked from it I just thought it was a really really strong consistent cohesive as you say album it's got a great cover I would say that that's probably my favorite Kylie album but maybe that makes me a bit basic I don't know yeah, I, I do. I do love this album. But what I would say is that this album, you know, it also gave us Aphrodite Left Fole. So like, you know, the oh, yeah. biggest, most extravagant tour that she has ever done. Yeah. Um, you know, Lady Gaga commented on it years later to say if Kylie Minogue, uh, I've had to raise the bar because the likes oh. of Kylie Minogue have brought water fountains into their tours. So when it comes to arena tours, they just have to get much bigger. But didn't she scale down her shows after that? On purpose, she did. Like, yeah. she, she went straight straight after Aphrodite. She went and did the anti-tour because she just wants to bring oh, it back into the... Oh, anti-tour, yeah. And Cliff asked us to talk about the anti-tour because she's queen of the B-sides. Can you let anybody who's listening who doesn't know what that is slash was, what was going on with that? It was songs that she had potentially never played in the past. Her, her lesser known hits, some great B-sides. It just was, you know, from what I could see, it frustrated me that she didn't bring it to Ireland. Not take it away from it. There's a lot of it online. It's songs like um, I'm Over Dreaming Over You from that, you know, probably the, I think it was the Enjoy Yourself album. So, okay. you know, it was literally songs like that that she would perform. Yeah. Um, 
and uh, Cherry Bomb, which would have been a, a leftover from maybe the X era. Apologies if I'm, I'm not 100% right on where Cherry Bomb came from. Yeah. But um, just, just everything about it I thought was cool. It's amazing that she did that because with every artist, like when you follow them for years, there are all these songs that have kind of been neglected and uh, don't didn't really get the shine that they deserved and you wish that they would get a moment and all the rest of it. And most people, when they go out on tour, they think that people just want to hear the hits and they do the hits and that's it, maybe one or two other album tracks. So I think the fact that she did that really shows like a respect for the fans, like kind of a way of saying thank you for supporting her through the whole career. I think it's a, a great thing that she did. And I think she loved it because, you know, she was laughing and joking on stage. She was forgetting the words because she'd rarely performed the songs. She had the, the lyrics on the board in front of her. Okay. Um, so, so, like, there's loads of things that are, are very that lovely when you watch it on um, on YouTube. Now, where did you mentioned um, Cherry Bomb? I know the song Time Bomb. Where did that where did that pop up? Um, we're at that period of her career where she begins to celebrate. 25 years in music oh yeah and um she completes the anti-tour she does an abbey Rhodes album of reinterpretation of earlier songs mm. and uh, she does a capsule type um box of um of all her music and at the time time bomb was going was the new song that was brought in as part of that mm. again alarm bells maybe should have started to go off the time bomb underperformed uh, it stalled at number 31 in the uk charts okay G- great song co-written by karen Poole, and i think it's st- it's stood up well it's it's it uh, sounds fresh today yeah yeah i like i like that one i just i just i'm aware of it being a bit of a a misfire bop. at the time yeah but also yeah. a bop yeah definitely yeah so we're moving on to the last couple of albums now the last three albums uh to date kiss me once i have that in my head as being a just a little bit of a but how do you feel about it so obviously 25 years in music celebrated and came to an ending and she decided to part company with her long-term manager terry blaney okay and uh, all very amicable and he i think he was just getting old and she wanted to get a change so then mm. she would go to rock nation so rock nation were going to work with, with kylie as as their the record company they mm. would you know bring in the influencer, bring in the songwriters and all of this. Mm. Kylie was suddenly popping up as a guest at the Met Gala. There was definitely an American influence coming into play. Okay. They released a promotional single called Skirt in advance. This was going to be the new Kylie sound. Skirt was very, very good. Uh, I really liked it. Oh, it sounded very, very limited. wasn't put out to radios or anything. Um, cutting edge dance with an American influence. So oh. then there was a lot of expectations around Kiss to Me Once. Kylie got the gig as being a judge on The Voice Australia and the UK so everybody was thinking huge promotion for her this album is going to be huge and then it absolutely bombed Okay. Um, the lead single Into the Blue which is one of her best songs failed to make the top 10 the album itself only came in at number two behind George Michael. Okay. First week sales were about 30,000 versus first week sales of Aphrodite were about 80,000. So in that period of time, it had dived an awful lot. Some great tracks on this album. Sia was a co-producer and oh. um, the title track, Kiss Me Once, was written by Sia and it's probably my favourite track on the album. It's very, very good. Again, an element of panic must have set in because the second single was written and produced by Pharrell, who was very big at the time. Love um, it. And they, 
they released I was going to cancel. People hate it. I love it. I didn't even make the top 40. <laughs> and she didn't pay her extras. Exactly. There was a big scandal about all these people being in it and they didn't get paid. I think, it's, I think it's a great song. Everyone can shut up as far as I'm concerned. You mentioned Kiss Me Once. Yeah, I really liked that one. That was my standout from the album. So then a few years later, she's changing tack. She releases this concept album, really. How did you feel? Like, so we're talking about Golden here and it's it's a country country vibe. How would you describe it? Kevin, you're skipping the brilliant album that was Kylie Christmas. Oh, I, I, I don't have time for that. <laughs> Go on, give us, give us a, give us your thoughts on Kylie Christmas. Ky- Kylie Christmas is an album that everybody should play from the first of December <laughs> right through to the first of January, okay. and I'm going to c- call out two tracks for you. Go for it. White December again, co-written with Karen Poole of Alicia's Attic. Uh-huh. Brilliant, uh, brilliant Christmas track, and Every Day's Like Christmas, written by Chris Martin from Coldplay. Brilliant song. Uh, and enough. Kevin, I know. I know you mentioned you still loved the Stock Aiken and Waterman vibe. Ah. She sent Every Day is Like Christmas back to Stock Aiken and Waterman to remix. Oh. So they brought the two things together. So if you love the Stock Aiken and Waterman sound, have a listen to that remix and you, you will love it. Wait, so th- was this the first time since those early days that she worked with them at all? Yeah. That's kind of significant. I should listen to that. Then we're on to Golden country twangy i feel like i feel like from what i was seeing on the internet the people that i was reading i the gays on the internet were not here for it uh, as a concept i think they've warmed up to it uh, since then but what are your general thoughts on this whole project so i love this album okay um i really enjoyed it actually kylie co-wrote every track um, you know, the first time that she had had that much involvement since Impossible Princess. Oh, yeah. I think Dancing was a great lead single. Agreed. It was her last UK Top 40 hit. Right. Um, and pe- people were saying that, you know, she'd never have a UK Top 40 hit again. So it shows it can be done. You know, you've got ballads like Radio One, great song. You've got the fast tracks like Lifetime to Repair. Yeah. I, I just think as albums go, I never skip a track on it. Huh. She did the Golden Tour with this album and came to Ireland. This was where she met the Irish Prime Minister, Leo Varadkar. Oh, and yes. th- th- then he wrote the letter thanking her or, or asking, I think it was asking her for a meet. Yeah. And he wrote it on, on government paper. Yeah. And it obviously was leaked to the press. There was a and, big um, controversy about that. Our Taoiseach. But people really took the opportunity to lay into him and it was all very laced in, you know, homophobia. Like, oh, look at you writing to Kylie, whatever. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't happy with that. Of course, he should be allowed to write to Kylie if he wants. The only problem I... I probably think was that he wrote on government paper yeah, but obviously yeah, yeah. that was just to secure the meet and greet <laughs> who, who, who wouldn't do that yeah um i love dancing i love that double meaning in the chorus in the refrain when i go out i want to go out dancing and exactly. i think what's really clever about it is it is an acknowledgement of the fact that she is of a certain age not that she's on the verge of going out i don't mean that but the fact that and, and her audience has also in the main grown up with her and is kind of maybe in the same headspace of you know what life is for living and let's just celebrate everything that we have while we have it that kind of feel and i just thought that was a very very clever way to uh come back with a new album and just to kind of acknowledge that aspect because we're not all 20 forever um so i thought that was that was really uh smart also the song that i hear a lot about on this album but it's not on the album it's a bonus track is lost without you i think people really like that one is that something you enjoy yeah, I really like that track and she did a great job 
on the tour with it. Oh, well, it's good that it got its moment on the tour then. If it wasn't like a single, wasn't a main album track, obviously she realised that people really enjoyed it. So, yeah, that's good. Um, then we have, she released five albums under the same title, Disco, or however many, however many times she's released this thing. This is her most recent album from 2020, Thoughts on Disco. I think that Disco is, uh, you know, what it says in the tin. I think it's a, it's a very good, cohesive album. There's some really good standout tracks. I think that the lead single would say something was very appropriate with COVID. Um, I think it tapped in very well to that. Yeah. What was the lyric um, in Say Something that was particularly kind of relevant? We're a million miles apart. Do you know, in times to come, people, that song will actually be even more meaningful to people because of that lyric. I think, uh, you know, they did a great job on that. She performed it quite a bit live, uh, stripped back. And she also did mm. a version of it with a gospel choir. So it oh, yes. worked very well, you know. The other tracks on this album that I love, I absolutely love Dance Floor Darling. It's my favourite song of this album. Oh, yeah, that was the ones, that was one of the ones I liked, yeah. And then there's just one other track to call out, Last Chance. It very much is the Donna Summer vibe, which mm. which is great. So it did it did well, like in the in general sense, in terms of sales, chart positions, that kind of thing. Exactly. So if you were to take Disco, you know, it's up there with Golden. It's up there with Kylie Christmas. Okay. It absolutely has outsold Kiss Me Once. Yeah. So she's on a bit of a run now at this stage of, you know, success, which is great to see. What are your hopes for her career like going forward? As we talked, as you mentioned before, we like to look forward, even though we just spent the last however long looking back. But what would you like to see her do from now on? So I suppose part of me would love to see her have another top 10 hit. Right. Um, you know, if she can manage that across Europe, then it, it just gives the support for maybe another arena tour. Mm. Um, I, I think Kylie is going to face a challenge regarding arena tours from now on. All right. Does she need to maybe go for the smaller venues? So I think the next time that she does a big tour will be interesting to see the venues she picks oh. um, and whether they, they make them smaller. Surely she could do like a disco arena tour 2023, no? She could, but I, I'm just not sure it'll sell in the numbers required now okay. to fill arenas and for it to make financial sense. Look, steps. Um, sold the O2 out Kylie can do the same <laughs> yeah I, I, I suppose Kylie would have probably been used to the same as steps you know multiple nights and things like that yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, and, and then the more nights you have then the more money you'll be invested in the tour and it's yeah. the knock-on effect and, and I'll just call out that supposedly she has is going to have a book out in April of this year oh. and uh, she's going to talk about every album and every single and give her own thoughts and views on each one really? so it'll be, inter- it'll, it'll be interesting to see what she makes especially of songs like you love what kind of fool yeah, um, yeah to yeah, see yeah. what she thinks of that that's that's so, amazing uh, I, I love i love when artists specifically talk about whatever they've done in the past that's going to be fascinating i would i would definitely buy that um okay so talking about the back catalogue i did ask you to prepare a top 10 kylie tracks i'm sure that was very difficult for you but have you got one ready to go I do. I, excellent. Right. I do too. So do you know what? I'll go through my 10 to 6 in one go and then you can do the same and then we'll do 5, 5, 4, 4, 3, 3, 2, 2, 1, 1. Okay. Very quickly. My number 10 was Slow. Love it. My number 9 was Magic because uh, we didn't mention it when we talked about Disco but I absolutely love that. Then I had number 8, 7 and 6. Basically the same song. Different versions of that Stock, Aiken, Water and Sound. I had Hand on Your Heart, Never Too Late, 
and got to be certain basically the same but i just i just put them in a little block because i just love that sound um, and i couldn't separate them because you know i love them all so what is your 10 to 6 10 i went with in my arms oh yeah nine i went with flower we didn't discuss it but it was part of the abbey road session ah, great ballad okay Eight, I went with Dance for Darling from Disco. Seven, I went with Finer Feelings from Let's Get To It. And six, I went with Into the Blue from Kiss Me Once. Very good. I'm I, All of mine are singles. Obviously, you're leaning on some uh, album tracks, some a bit of live stuff. Love that. Um, but you're, you're a true fan. That's why. You're a true uh, hashtag lover. All right. So uh, my number five was What Do I Have To Do? Love that. What was your number five? Breathe. Oh, yeah. My number four, Put Yourself in My Place. We talked about it earlier. Snap. I went with the same for number four. Oh, very good, very good. Uh, my number three was Confide in Me. My number three was Better the Devil You Know. Oh, that was my number two. My number two was All the Lovers. Okay. Wouldn't it be funny if we had the same number one? I don't think we probably do, but my number one is one of the gayest songs of all time. Uh, I absolutely can't get enough of it. Criminally underrated on release but has gone to gone on to become, in my view, an absolute classic. I picked Get Out of My Way. What did she pick? Slow. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Where is Get Out of My Way in your chart? It's, it's just such a choice. I actually, <laughs> I, I struggled and I was trying to get a balance between fast and slow. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so. Look, slow uh, is amazing. But, but, slow is amazing. But there's just something about Get Out of My Way. And I noticed that it actually has more Spotify streams than all the lovers um even though obviously all the lovers did a lot better had a lot more attention i just look it out of my way i can't i can't get enough of it all right excellent so let's move on to the unpopular opinions pop 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 unpopular opinions all right this is the section where we hear from our listeners and uh, whatever they have to say about Kylie, whatever questions they have to ask. We've just had an epic 14 album slash 15 album trawl so let's do a little um what you call it? Quick, what, what's it called? Rapid fire round? Okay. My friend Dan says, Dan from the Spice Girls episode says, there were, you can just tell me if you agree or disagree with these, by the way, Damien, if that's okay. Um, Dan says, the world is a better place for Miss Kylie Ann Minogue. Put Yourself in My Place is the best Kylie song ever. So there you go. It was in our top fives, right? True story. We agree. We agree. Percy says, never before have the gays allowed so little to go so far. Obviously referring to the fact that she's a small lady. <laughs> Yeah, that must be it. Um, yeah. Steve says, Wow is a torturously bad song. Those four wows in a row are like nails down a blackboard for me. Well, I quite like wow and you love wow. So we're not agreeing with you on that, Steve, but we respect we respect your uh, feelings. Um, and the skip button is there for a reason. <laughs> Gavin, Gavin, who is always ready with an unpopular opinion, like an, a harsh one, says, Icon, that's it. So there you go. Kylie has escaped Gavin's um, sharp tongue and uh, good honor for that. Rick says she's no Danny Minogue and then adds her one scene and final line in San Andreas are extremely iconic. What's her final line? Do you know? She shouts, get out of my way. Oh, fabulous. Um, <laughs> he says, kiss me once is a flop, but sexy love is a generic banger. I did like sexy love, actually. That was a standout for me. Um, do you like sexy love? Yeah, I do. I don't mind it, even though when she performed it live once or twice and kept forgetting the words, so she swiftly dropped it. Oh, fine. Okay, fair enough. Joe on Instagram says, Kiss Me Once era is actually really good. And the Jua collab should have been a big moment. Yeah, that's weird. Like, yeah, this is the time where Jua, been, yeah. everything Jua was doing was, was hitting big and didn't kind of really happen there. 
Anna Fried says, my question would be, and we're into the questions, okay. My question would be, what are the genetic environmental factors that determines one's exclusive orientation towards either Kylie or Danny? How do you feel about Danny? I don't mind Danny. She's had some some great moments. Yes, I would agree with that. I would say, I was thinking about this, and I think, without going into it further, I think Kylie is Greece and Danny is Greece too, with everything that that implies. So let's move on. Oh, SOB says, what are the common threads to her output? Can you see any through line? Is it like love, loss? I feel like she doesn't really do that many sad songs. Exactly. I don't think she gives too much of herself away, but I think her sound and her vocal, I think, is the common thread because, you know, people know a Kylie song when they hear it. Yeah, true, true. Matt says she's iconic and legendary, but never made a great album. Eh, Controversial. Would you disagree? Bullshit. <laughs> well, uh, Slow is one of the greatest gay songs ever released. Yeah. And he says, Je ne sais pas pourquoi is her most underrated single. Well, we like that one, definitely. What are, uh, Bobby asks, what are Kylie's best songs not on an album? I'm going to, I'm going to say two songs. I've already mentioned Tight Rope, which yes. should have been on the Fever album. And there is one other track called Crystallize. Oh. Um, it really great song that she never put on an album Bobby also asks what's her worst album well you'd say Body Language exactly <laughs> I'd say Fever sorry um, Pipo says do you think she'll make either another Kylie Minogue 94 or Impossible Princess again i.e. something a bit alternative and a bit not poppy I don't think so now and I think she has probably said herself she will never show as much of herself in an album as she did back then yeah, okay Madison says if Kylie Minogue were to phone for a Domino's pizza what type of pizza would it be pepperoni fair and then finally Kyle got in touch Kyle told me he said Kylie's always been in my life my older sister was a fan of Neighbours. My mum had Scott and Charlene's wedding on VHS. I was obsessed with that. You would, you didn't see it because you're from the country, but it was really good. Um, her albums were regularly played in the car until our car was stolen. And I sobbed to the policeman that he must find our car as our Kylie cassettes were in there. I, I, I'd say the car was stolen because, because of those cassettes. There you go. There you go. Um, while my Kylie's love for... Oh, sorry. While my Kylie's... <laughs> <laughs> two vodkas while my sister's love for Kylie faded I continue to stand her he loves the cover art for Impossible Princess he thinks the al- the singles from that album were incredible um, and he says like all our fave queens that are down on their luck she stages one of the greatest comebacks and returns to where she belonged with spinning around and even satisfied the straights with the song Kids. Well, there you go, yeah. Um, and he says he had a tear in his eye when she did Glasto in 2019, the iconic GIF moment, you know, the GIF where she turns around and she... Yeah, yeah love it, love GIF. it. It's a good GIF. Um, your favourite Kylie era, he asks, what would you uh, point to there? So I think I would, for loads of different reasons, I probably would go with the 2010s. Do you call that the 10s? yeah. And and the reason I say that is because, uh, you know, when Kylie's having huge success, then there's no challenge. But it's where Kylie is down on her luck or uh-huh. trying to push herself back out there and trying to increase her success. That's where I get more enjoyment because she tries harder. All right. Well, listen, it's time for the quiz. Is it a quiz? Yes. Is it a quiz? Yes. Yes, it is. I know. It's a quiz. Let's go. Damien, are you ready for the quiz? For it. It's just a bit of fun, no pressure. We have three categories. How many questions are there? Seven. Well, you can pick seven. There are 15. So they're easy, medium, and hard. There are five questions in each category. Easy questions are worth one point, medium are worth two, and hard are worth three each. So 
where give me a category and a number and i'll give you a question what's the benefit of me going for the harder ones you get more points and is there a poll then against all your podcasts? So the, the current uh, record is 14 points. By that logic, if each of the hard ones is worth three points, if you got them all right, you'd already be on 15 with two questions left. So there is a chance to okay to vault into the pole position. But the hard ones are okay. <laughs> annoying and awful. Throw the first hard one at me, if that makes sense. Okay. How many of her studio album covers don't include her name? How many? And can you name them? That's the other part. Don't include her name. Yeah. Um, her name is not visible on the cover. I'm going to say two albums. And what are they? Um, Enjoy Yourself. And I would go for Impossible Princess. Well, I can tell you that you are correct with Impossible Princess. However, the other there were three that I found and it was Body Language and Kiss Me Once. All right. So one point there. Very good. Very good. What's next? Let's go for the middle of the road questions. Right. The medium. medium. Number one. I'm not sure the implication of number one, but go for it. <laughs> Where has she more recently had a top 10 single? Ireland or the UK? Ireland. And what was it? Into the Blue. Very good. Okay. Two points. Well done. What's next? Let's go for another one with the, that sort of points, medium range. What is the longest song on body language by over 30 seconds coming in at five minutes even? And it is your most, your least favourite album, so it's a bit unfair. I go with Chocolate. Correct. Well done. That, so, that song just goes on forever, so it was a fairly... <laughs> okay, what's next? How many points have I then? You've got five. Up to You're doing fabulous. Five. Uh, let's stick with the medium, if that's okay. Can you name a song written about or inspired by Kylie? Zig and Zag had a song out years ago in Ireland called A Gia One A Gypsy Stole My Personal Stereo. <laughs> And the lyric was, no more R.E.M. or Kylie Minogue. I absolutely have to give that to you, Dave. Exactly. <laughs> you know, if anybody, uh, Zig and Zag are, are these puppets. And you, you, you might have seen Zig and Zag on, they then moved over to Channel 4's Big Breakfast, That's didn't they? That's right. Yeah, of course. People would know them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. People are. Exactly. Age. Yeah. Uh, so you're on seven points and you have three more questions left. Where would you like to go? Okay, let's go for a hard. All right. How many number one albums does she have in Australia? Give me a sec, because she, her first number one album in Australia, she only started with Light Years. Can, can I add these up yes, in my absolutely, head? Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Light Years Fever. I'm going to say six. Six is the correct answer. Well done. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> That's very impressive. Um, wait, you're on three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. You're on ten with two left. You're doing well. You're doing well. That's all I'll say. Give me one more medium and then I'll judge how I get on with it. <laughs> okay. Can you name two writers of Say Something other than Kylie? Oh, um, I'll give you a point for each. So I'll give you like one point if you can name one. I'm not sure of that one. Okay. Bar Kylie. Not to worry, not to worry. It was Ash Howes, Biff Stannard and John Green. Okay. Not to worry. Where you go next? God, I'm not going to be top of the pole anyway. It's unfortunate. <laughs> let's go for another medium all right how many u.s top 10 hits has she had two correct <laughs> was that writer song really hard and awful that was a tough one yeah it was a tough one maybe it should have been in the in the hard section 12 points that's very very good excellent unfortunately not top though <laughs> listen this is this, this, just just the way it goes just the way it goes you did great all right so let's move on to our 
recommendations. The show is coming to an end, but is what we would recommend, my friend. Damien, have you got something to recommend from anything in the world to our listeners? My recommendation to everybody is that on a Sunday night, for anybody who works on a Monday, is that they should watch Call the Midwife on BBC. Oh, yeah. Yeah. because it's an exceptionally soothing program and it is really well uh, written and produced and it is a lovely way to finish off the weekend. Is there not an an awful lot of like um, contractions and screaming and all that stuff? It always ends up that everything works out well. Uh, Okay. My recommendation is also a TV show and is quite the opposite. It's Euphoria. Have you heard of it? No. So it is a drama um, It's on Sky It's on like Sky Atlantic I guess It's from HBO Zendaya is in it And it is an extremely explicit um, Traumatising Triggering show About teenagers And you wouldn't want any teenager to watch it if you had one But from my perspective I think it's just phenomenally well made So, so, so Well produced Maybe a little bit overproduced you might say but um, and I was like, this is for teenagers. This is not for me. I'm 40 years old. But I watched it. Actually, it was a couple of years ago. I watched it and I just thought it was fantastic. But I would absolutely not recommend it if you want to wind down or if you want to like, have something cozy. So there's there's two different TV shows that you can enjoy, depending on your mood. Now it's time for Songs Gay People Like, which is the part of the podcast where my guest adds three songs to the podcast playlist which is songs gay people like that you can find on Spotify. Damien. So the three songs I picked to be added to Spotify, um, they're songs I I like anyway, whatever everybody else thinks. Yeah. So I went with Alanis Morissette, Ironic. Oh, yeah. What's your reason? I just think it's a classic 90s track, Jagged Little Pill, one of the all-time best albums out there. Yeah. The the other track number two I went for, um, I always love The Killers. I think they're a brilliant live band. Oh, you're not putting The Killers on. I am, yeah. Damien. And uh, <laughs> and uh, the song I went for is When You Were Young. Great, great oh, killer's track. Uh, it's really on. good. <laughs> well, then you're going to have to give me another question if that's the way. <laughs> <laughs> but then we'd have to re-record me coming top. So the killers have to stay on it. <laughs> oh my God. Are you, I, are I think you it's a really... Put a Kylie song on this thing? I, and I, I, I ended then with one Kylie song. Fuck. Okay, go on. <laughs> and due to the very strict rules, Kevin, I wasn't able to pick all Kylie songs. So I just went with one Kylie song and I referenced it earlier on. And just for variety, I went with Crystallize. Okay, very good. And that's on Spotify? Correct. Yep. My song for, let me think now, I was going to pick something else that isn't Kylie because I was. I thought you'd do a couple of Kylie ones, but maybe I should pick a Kylie one now. Do you know what? I will. I'm going to pick Get Out of My Way. I absolutely love it. So there you go. Get out of my way is going on as well. Okay, so um, in terms of what we might put on as a Twitter poll, have you had any thoughts about that? So I'll keep it very basic. Um, So the Twitter poll, I was thinking uh, Kylie's strongest decade in your view, that being 80s, 90s, noughties, 10s or 20s. Love that, but we only have four options. So then we take out the 20s and we just pretend yeah, we're recording this started, at the end of 2019. <laughs> <laughs> this is an old podcast. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that. Yeah, so she has, obviously, we're only into the 20s. So let's do, yeah, 80s, 90s, uh, 2000s and 10s. So, yeah, if you want to take part in that poll, head to our Twitter at Pod 
and um, make your thoughts known. What would you say, just out of interest? What would you, what would you say is your favorite decade? You oh, probably, tens, you, right? yeah, yeah, you, you hit on it. I, yeah, I would yeah, go yeah. with the tens. Yep. Damien, this has been a fabulous chat. Thank you very much for taking me through the chronology of Kylie. Um, I feel like I know a lot more about her now. I feel like I have a more of an appreciation for her. And when, for example, that book comes out or the next project comes out, would you please come back and tell us your thoughts? I will indeed, Kevin. Um, great talking to you. Thanks a million for allowing me to talk about my favourite topic for uh, all evening to you. And, uh, oh, listen, I love to. Well done on all the hard work that have gone into the various podcasts. And now you can take a, a well-deserved break. Absolutely. How long are you absolutely. going to take a break for? Uh, several months. Um, I'm going to, I'll do a Eurovision episode because I decided I'm going to do a Eurovision episode every year. I'm probably going to do something for Melody Festival as well. Apart from that, I probably, I'll just be back to like towards the end of the year. Like when I start getting bored at, towards the end of the summer, probably I'll come back. But thank you very much. Damien, how can people follow you to talk about Kylie, to talk about other stuff? So my Twitter handle is D-G-L-O-D-G-E. That's DG Lodge is my surname. That's my Twitter there handle. And do you, um, do you tweet much about Kylie? Constantly. Uh, so I I, I, I will bore, <laughs> bore people. And I think we should um, have one of the people who asked a question earlier on for your new podcast, and we should do a Danny Minogue version. <laughs> <laughs> I would not be against it. There's a lot. There's a lot of love out there for Danny. Would I would be not, a, a yeah, short don't be podcast. Surprised if you see a Danny. <laughs> Damien. Well, there's look, there's not 15 albums, but there's plenty to talk about. There's plenty to talk about. All right, Damien, thank you very much. Cheers, Kevin. Take it easy. Cheers. Bye. Thank you again to Damien and thank you to all my guests from the past uh, 10 episodes of This Little Batch. That's Cliff, who did Girls Aloud, Michael, who did Buffy, Rick for Tomb Raider, uh, Peter talking about ABBA, Chris talking about Taylor Swift, Mike doing ANTM, Matt doing Mariah Part 2, Paul doing the Paul Catamull special slash S Club 7 and Marcus talking about Scream as well. Thank you to Rob who did the music for the theme tune and thank you to you for listening. Um, If this is your first one or if you listened to a few or you've listened to all of them maybe, uh, I really appreciate that. The people who've gotten in touch on Instagram and Twitter, it's been so nice to chat to everybody and everyone who has contributed something to the Unpopular Opinion section, thank you. I just, I just really appreciate the support. This is the second time I've done this part and the first time was so ridiculously schmaltzy. But it is true. I really appreciate it. Like, I love doing this podcast. It takes so long to put together. Um, like if it sounds like you just press record on a conversation and put it on the internet, um, I'm glad it sounds like that. But uh, there's a lot more work that goes into it. Even writing the quiz questions alone, you know? And then half of them don't even get asked. Anyway. It's just lovely to get nice feedback on the podcast and and to talk to everybody. So I just, I really appreciate it. Thank you. And on a slightly related note, if you felt like leaving a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, that would be fantastic. So yeah, I'll be taking a break. Like I mentioned in my chat earlier, we'll do Eurovision episode. We'll do something a little bit different around Melody Festival. And, and then season three, hopefully towards the end of the year, I'll most likely still be tweeting and putting stuff on Instagram. So feel free to follow us there at Gay People Pod. And here I was thanking people. I didn't even mention my mom. So thank you to my mom. And speaking of mom, of course, she has thoughts on Kylie Minogue. And at the end of every episode, we go to my mom. So um, I'll hand you over to my mom. And I'll talk to you in about 30 seconds, actually. Hi, everybody from Dublin. On this, the 20th day of January 2022. It was a really nice day here today. The sun was shining and the birds were singing. 
and it made you kind of think spring is on its way. Um, Kev tells me the subject matter today is Kylie Minogue. And um, I do have to say at this stage that I, I think she's a great girl or woman or whatever. She just, her lasting power is phenomenal. And she's... Oh, yeah, I haven't. <laughs> today, I actually, Kev is here with me for dinner. So it's great to see you, Kev, when I'm doing this. Usually I have to send it to him. Lovely dinner. Lovely dinner, thank you. Um, so go on, more of your Kylie thoughts then. My Kylie thoughts, as I said, she, I think she's amazing because of her staying power and her energy. And what kind of songs do you like by her? Um, I probably would go back a little ways when I think of Neighbours and herself and, oh, what was his face name? What was his name? Jason Donovan. Jason Donovan. Um, I had the whole romance around them at the time and the kids coming in at lunchtime or maybe evening and they wouldn't miss neighbours. Absolutely wouldn't miss neighbours. So they're nice memories. So they're happy memories for me. Um, and I should be so lucky as another upbeaty, dancey one. But, you know, she hasn't made a mess of any of her, her songs, really, that I know of. Do you like any recent ones, like any spring to mind from the uh, past few years? Oh, what one did I say to you? Well, this can't get you out of my head. Yeah, can't get you out of my head. Spinning around. Yeah, they're all nice dancey ones. And if, if I was at a wedding or something, and the minute that come up, I'd be on the floor and shaking yeah. my booty. <laughs> do you remember last time you put a couple of songs on the playlist? Yes. And so why don't we do one Kylie song and then any other song of your choice? So what Kylie song would you put on and why? I probably, what was the first one I said? You mentioned I Should Be So Lucky and then Especially For You, the one with Jason. Yeah, I think Especially For You. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Don't say sorry, it's okay. Yeah, Especially For You. Now, playlist, playlist. So, do you remember the rules for this playlist I told you? Yes, they have to be upbeat. And the second rule? Can't be my lovely red-headed boy, Ed Sheeran. Yeah, so apart from keeping those two in mind, what other song? Now, especially for you, isn't particularly upbeat. But I'll let you no, but it's nice. It is nice. So what song then are you going to put on as well as that? I am going to include the song from The Greatest Showman that the lady with the beard sang. And that was amazing. Absolutely amazing this to me. me. This is me. I'd be a little bit sad that this is the last episode for a while, but Kev usually tells me, kind of, you know, it's the beginning of the week, ma'am, now just do your bit on whatever. And sure, I sail through the week and then it's Friday and I haven't done it. Then I have to do it very, very quickly. But I have enjoyed th doing it. Thank you so much for your company. And I hope to talk to you all again soon. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. Escape people like